Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk to queer folks and the straights who love them. Oh, it's a big week here in the gay podcast world. I know I teased last week that I was going to be a guest on one of my favorite podcasts. Well, the episode is out. It is on How Come, Remy Casimir's insanely amazing podcast. I not only got to guest on Remy's pod, but... I got to guest alongside one of my favorite comedians. His name is Chris Burns. You know him as Fat Carrie Bradshaw. Ugh, he works for Betches. His videos are insane. So if you don't follow Fat Carrie Bradshaw, it's a must. And the episode is so fucking good. We talk about the gay-ass movie videos I've made and our gay-ass podcast and also being an early bloomer and what it was like, you know, first time you're kissing a boy. It's all just such great conversation. And Remy posted a really, really fun promo on the How Come podcast. That is How Come as in I'm coming. Yes, a C-U-M moment. How Come podcast is their handle. Uh, so please listen to the episode if you so choose. And let me know if you did. It's it, I, I listened to it. It's... <laughs> really fucking funny uh also big news is i'm going to a watch what happens live taping today on this gorgeous wednesday uh and i'm being such a monster with teases but the crazy twist is one of the guests of the watch what happens episode i'm watching is going to be on this podcast in the next few weeks so i'm really laying in those uh, teasers but i don't want to divulge too much And speaking of uh, divulging, uh, that Patreon will be launched at the end of this month with some really awesome perks. So make sure you keep an eye out for that Patreon. But for this week's podcast episode, we've got Nori Reed, an incredible stand-up comedian in LA. If you don't know Nori, she is a fucking star. She is a moment the moment and uh, you gotta get on board nori has written for vogue magazine she wrote for alan cummings audible series she was just featured on hbo max's stand-up showcase she's open for amy poehler i mean 
incredible person and you can tell from this conversation she's one of the funniest people i've had on so far um i will also say it was so meaningful chatting with her was not only getting to giggle but also talk about trans representation and uh, you know what it was like to grow up in kentucky and i think it's just such a full conversation and i i really am so grateful that nori came on so follow nori on instagram at nori reed n-o-r-i-r-e-e-d and also on twitter she was suspended uh, we talk about why that happened at the end of the episode, but her new account is at Real Nori Reed, so follow her there. And of course, follow me at Eric Wills. The podcast Instagram is at Gayass Podcast, and this is Nori Reed. Enjoy. I am so happy you are on That's a Gay Ass Podcast. It's like, I Aww. am obsessed with your comedy. I'm obsessed with you. And I'm just like <laughs> truly feeling blessed on this day. Oh my God. That's, I mean, that's beyond nice. And I, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Nori. Well, first of all, the Emmy nominations came out today. Are we, oh, I mean, I you. have to say like. <laughs> thank you so much. You know, it's been, it was when I saw. When I saw that I was nominated for not only Best Actress in a Comedy, but Best Actress in a Drama, I couldn't believe yeah. it, to be honest. Nori, it's it's really rare that someone gets such representation in so many different, you know, comedies, dramas. What, you. what What's your favorite part of the drama that you starred in that was nominated? What, what do you love most about it? Oh, I Just getting to work with um, those children. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, those children, and they don't even have families. And it's like, you know, they have so much heart mm-hmm. and they've gone through so much. And, um, well, one of the, I didn't, there was one that I didn't get along with. And you can, you can just, I'll let you guess who that one is. But yeah, it was. Oh, pretty, was yeah. it, um, what's, yep. what's their name? Yeah. The, you know, the, the short one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, th- that's problematic. I don't say the short one, but, you know, oh. you know which one. Yeah. I can edit that part out of this episode because um, <laughs> Lord knows I do. I do not not need another reason to get canceled. Wait, wait. Um, back to reality though. I did they go? Did they leave the? Um, did did they move away from? Is it like gender? Um, they took. Did they take the gender out of the awards, or is that a different? Like 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 actress versus actor. Yes, I feel like was it the Emmys or someone did it and it was like, whoa. That's a really good question and I'm going to look right now because I just browsed the list earlier and I think one of the most controversial takeaways is that um, Emily in Paris was nominated for a Best Comedy. Oh, God. Um, But when Matt, my husband, texted me that, my response was like, I mean, I didn't not like it. (laughs) But he was like, but was it award-worthy? I was like, okay, fine. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I mean, of course, like the headlines is that Bo and Yang got a nomination, that MJ Rodriguez got a nomination. Are you kidding? That's amazing. Yeah, it's like so cool. But like, I'm fully, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the, because I'm very invested in the because the awards I feel like, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like the awards as of late have been so in many ways underwhelming and attacked because of how dated they've been that they're like forcing to actually get with the times and i feel like we're in like a award ceremony like reboot yeah i think well like 
I think the underlying truth is that they're like inherently problematic because it's like, yes. And so they're trying, I think like as we move towards more of that, I think it's going to get more ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. And to where like, finally it's just going to be like best vibes, like best vibes <laughs> on a set. <laughs> like, I don't like, but they, but they still need to hold on to that hierarchy. Like who's the best. Right. You know? Best accent work, best like mm-hmm. I. But I did. I did just look, and it says that it, it's still best actor, best actress. Okay. So Emmys are not one, not leading the charge there. There's, I know. I, I think it's the Grammys that was the first one, and then a different. And then I'm I'm pretty sure a like visual media award thing did it too but i can't remember i mean honestly i do hope that they all at some point do when someone says actor versus actress to you do you think that it should just be all actor or what what's the vibe i i mean i thank god i don't think about it that much because like it'd be pretty weird if like i was like (laughs) oh my god think like finally like i can talk about this like thank you so much eric like i've been trying to like talk about this for ever um so like but but like if i were to sit down and think about it i mean uh, yeah like gen i mean like gender disparity is like it's a huge issue and it's like a real thing i don't know if it will be salt i mean it feel it does feel a little like white feminism i don't know it's just kind of like yeah like lean in like i'm like no like i'm you know, I'm an actor too. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, well, yeah, you're, yeah I, I don't exactly. I agree. It's like, kind of like, I don't think changing it all to actor will, no. g- will get rid of the gender binary. Will it get rid of like people's issues with anything? It's like, no, I probably will appease some people in LA watching TV. And then that's about it. Yeah. There still won't be like any roles for like women over 30. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Speaking of that, though, I feel like as I become an elder gay, I really even more so gravitate. <laughs> you're, you're like 23. To... You're like 23 years old. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like well, my bar, my barbecue was what four years ago. Um, no, I like. I mean, I'm literally 31 years old, but I just feel, <laughs> I feel the elderness, the elderly, um, following me every day, um, and I really even more so than when I was a kid, gravitate to the older women actors. And I'm starting... Like, the fact that Jean Smart is... She's... Did you watch Hacks? Oh, my God. Obsessed. Unbelievable. And I was, like, ashamed that I didn't know more of Jean Smart's stuff. And... uh, I and then I and I truly we will talk about other things besides this, but I'm just like fully on like a TV <laughs> kick. But I watched we finished Mayor of Easttown finally, and I hadn't watched it, but like Gene Smart's also in that, and it was like unbelievable. I think I think my like um, immediate improv that I was doing with you might have been like subconsciously influenced by Gene Smart because she's like in two hit. HBO shows at the exact same time, one drama, one comedy. It's like, come on, like the power. Oh, you're right. Yeah. As you said that, I was like, wait, how does, why is that Gene Smart? It is Gene Smart. Yeah, that she is, is Gene in Smart. The comedy. She is in the drama and she is, and, and there are children in at one of the shows in the drama. <gasps> Nori. Yeah. I know. You just I, did Gene Smart cosplay. I, you know, I, I think I was influenced. I, it wasn't conscious. It was definitely like subconscious, but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good friends with like Hannah Einbinder, and she was just like amazing in Hacks, so good. And she should have also been nominated to just to be on. And also, Meg Stalter should have been nominated. She for, was, so she oh, was nominated. What? So, uh, Meg was not, but um, let me confirm because what if I was like, wait, this is <laughs> like, um, no, she was. She was nominated for supporting actress in a comedy series. Anyone listening who hasn't watched Hacks, it is so good. And Hannah plays this uh, a writer that gets hired to assist Gene Smart, brilliant actor who is playing a stand-up comedian. She goes to Vegas to live with her, and it's basically you know drama and comedy from there. And it's very queer. It's very. It's like so you can tell that actual like amazing writers in the now wrote on it and it's so and hannah yes she got nominated i'm shook right now and i'm so like thank you for telling me i'm like ashamed that i didn't even like know well, the nominations that came out to be fair about five seconds ago so. oh and i've been asleep until five seconds ago so <laughs> yeah like i that's incredible i literally like played board games with her like like last week like i'm gonna like i'm gonna i can't believe i'm like i played board games with the emmy nominated um, Hannah Einbinder. This is crazy. I can't wait to like to like congratulate her. This is insane. I'm I'm kind of See, like processing this right now. Yeah. Nori, process <laughs> it. You are so LA. It's like you are playing board games with Emmy nominees. Next thing you know, you're gonna be, I don't know, sleeping with Oh, Gene Smart. Gene Smart. Um, like uh I the way that I okay, I I feel like I do talk about this with my friends a lot, which is like there are some people where if their friends are successful, there's like a jealousy. And for me, I truly, and I'm, this is not, this is not me. Like, I'm not trying to like put myself in a way that's like mother Teresa, but like, sure. I truly do not identify with that because if your friends are succeeding, you're next. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me because you're in the same orbit. You're like, you're gonna, you're, you're in the same, it's, it doesn't make, you know, I just don't get it. So I completely understand what you're saying, and I'm going to be as this is an honesty first policy on this podcast. I'm going to I'm going to give it to you straight. Oh, I did not. Is it ascribe or subscribe to that? I subscribe like a magazine. Okay, so uh, I read it in a magazine. Where'd you read that? In a magazine. Name the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. It's okay. Oh god. Very deep, deep cut. So uh, what? I used to, what I feel now is that, very much that of when my friends around me do have these amazing things happen, I fully am like, what do they say? All tides rise. God, I'm yeah. really... It's like a Marine. It's uh, like the, a Marine. Do the Marines say that? Who says that? Sure, we'll say Marines, the Navy. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But like the... It, I fully believe that. Yeah. And that like, yes, we are next. And absolutely. But I did. I, I think it took me many years to get there because when I was first like out of college and really hustling to make things happen, I did think of like there was only so many opportunities and one person's success meant that there was less for me and I wasn't going to be able to make my dreams come true because someone else's were. And it really took, unfortunately, too recently for me to realize that if you are hustling and it's ha- happening for someone else, they are, they've also been hustling and it just yeah. happened to happen at this moment because of the stars in the universe and whatever the reason. And... I now do feel like 
I'm getting to talk with amazing people and work on fun projects. And like, I do believe that like, who knows, Nori, maybe next year we will be talking about both of our Emmy nominations for both of our comedies and dramas. One that's okay. Thank you for saying that because that's exactly what I was trying to say is that I, I'm going to be nominated next year for so, so many things. A lot. And yeah, no, but like, I, I do, I do feel like it's just not a good, like, energetic place to be, like, like scarcity mindset. And, like, I know I, I'm sounding so – listen, I'm, like, listening to myself, and I know that this could be, like <laughs> – like, a listener at home could be, like, the toxic positivity on this podcast is, un, is, a, is, a, is a level that is apocalyptic. Wait, and, I've never heard toxic positivity. Oh! I'm so, I'm so obsessed. Toxic positivity is one of my, like, like least favorite things, and it's, like, someone – someone's inability to kind of like get down in the dirty parts of life. So they kind of like enter into this like positive space. That's kind of like put on. So there's, there's a lot of like, so there still is that like, so, so it's like a delusion of like, Oh, I'm so positive. But it's like, no, you're just avoiding the, your feelings, like your, your real feelings. You're not actually digging into reality and dealing with the actual tough things within and around you. I do. I mean, I know people that have toxic positivity. And I think while I completely interrupted you in a completely full thought, I will say that like it is toxic negativity, mask, all that stuff is very toxic. But also it is not better to be just delusional about the work you have to do to be to better yourself or be less of a monster and i also want to say everything you were saying you're not sounding like a martyr or an insane person that is toxic and positive because i am fully leveling with you and agreeing with you so continue what were you what 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 was (laughs) where were we um we're both just like so toxic that we're like we're like no (laughs) on the same honey like we're on the same page and it's like the people listening to this are vomiting as they're like doing the laundry toxic Um, no but like energy is so real and like it i so i okay let me back up a little bit i went to graduate school and dare i say i dropped out of graduate school uh to be a therapist so i was yes she did wait therapy is it okay continue i'm here i was literally going to be a therapist and so and i went to this college called the california institute of integral studies which was kind of like a hotbed for like toxic positivity. So it was this like East meets West psychology school mm-hmm. um, where like it's like Eastern spirituality and practices meets Western psychology and like study. And so there was just a lot of like that kind of like, can I like, let me tell a story that will just encapsulate exactly what I'm just trying to say. The pr- it was wildly expensive by the, like so expensive, no, no financial aid. And then the printers in the heart of San Francisco, the printers all broke one morning and it was like, fuck, like I need to print out my like papers for my class. And one of the students, someone was, someone was complaining about it on the listserv was like, you know, we pay a lot of money to go here. All the printers are broken. And then someone responded, did anyone try to put tourmaline on the printers? The, the crystal. <gasps> the crystal term did anyone try putting a crystal specifically tourmaline on the printers i'm sorry can we stop for a second did anyone think to put tourmaline on those printers <laughs> i love <laughs> think and i was like i have to leave 
Like something broke. I was like, I have to get out of here. This is insane. So that was the moment you snapped? I snapped. And I like literally was like, I'm leaving. Give me my money back for this. You're semester. like, I am terma leaving this I'm school. I'm terma leaving. Terminated leaving. leaving. Yeah. And uh, so that. <laughs> the Termaliner starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. The Bay Area is kind of full of this kind of energy of like, oh, I'm, I'm like a height on a heightened spiritual level. But and no, you're just, you're, you're sick. Like you're just, you're like, sick. Toxic. But also, like, it could not be a better example of trying to fix a printer issue with... And, like, I look... I like a crystal. Don't... You oh. Know, don't get me wrong. I'm I, so I will woo-woo. Put a, I will woo-woo. I will put a quartz by my pillow. I And, like, to be fair, I haven't purchased one in some time, but I definitely still have some stuff by my bed. And also, the listeners might be sick of hearing it, but I am moving to LA in <gasps> the fall. Oh, my Nori, God. I will see you there. And, I, um... Absolutely. I will 100% get another crystal for my new home in LA. It's like, I I, yes. I I can put the value in it that it deserves. Do I think it deserves the holy uh, powers of fixing a printer? Absolutely not. And there is so much here that I love that you brought up because I therapy is my favorite love. thing in the world. And love. I literally had it all of three hours ago. But when you were in school, were you was was becoming a therapist like a dream that you had had for a while? Was that a, was it a decision out of like trying to take a path just because you felt you needed to do something? Like where where did yeah. that come from? Well, I so after college, I studied psychology and art in college, and then I moved to New York to do fashion. And so I worked in fashion and art. It was so toxic, and was just like I've said the word toxic. Maybe listeners at home take a shot every time <laughs> Nori says the word toxic. It's ridiculous but um truly those those were it was a dream of mine to work in fashion and it was so disheartening when i worked in that field and was just like this is so bad like the way they treat us the way just the it was just su- such a i was just this like bright-eyed like you know person out of college and it was just so disheartening to be like oh this is the real world and literally no one gives a shit about you like that's what it because i went to a liberal arts school mm-hmm. where it's like when you go into the world like you're going like life is gonna take you by the hand and it's gonna lead you to the mountain and it, it was just so like it liberal arts prepares you for a life in 1967 exactly like, like follow the bubbling brook and then everything yeah. will wait i dying to know what school it was I went to Kenyon College, which is like a liberal arts school. It's yeah. like Oberlin. Yeah. Where, what state is that in? Ohio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah they're very much like, like, you're Bob Dylan now. Like, go into the world like a rolling stone. And I'm just like, <laughs> honey, it's like the market crashed. There are no jobs. Like, it was, it was a really big kick in the face when I moved to New York and was like, oh, life is not like this. Um, anyways was pretty just like burnt out from fashion and started working in like HIV testing and counseling at, um, do you know Callan Lord? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're gay. You're <laughs> gay. You know, Callan Lord. Oh honey. I know Callan Lord. I know Callan Lord. Yeah. We've all, we've all gotten some pepper prep at Callan Lord, if you know what I mean. Um, but I was one of those counselors who like, you know, was like a crisis counselor like i was the one who kind of like told people that they that they their test came back positive for wow and in a in a really weird way i that was that was my favorite job i've ever had in my entire life because it was so 
powerful and present. You had to be so present with people in a mm-hmm. really vulnerable moment. And it felt it it was just such an honor to to do that. And it it also was my first interaction with the trans community. So mm. at college, there were no trans people, representation, none of that. And then moving to New York, I still was in a little bit of a bubble. And then when I started working at Cowan Lord, it was just this like entryway into all these communities that I had never interacted with. And so it was just such a, I'm so grateful for that job. And that kind of was the catalyst of like, oh, I really like this work. I'm good at this work. I, mm-hmm. I should be a therapist. That's the next level yeah. up. And that was the thinking behind that. That is so powerful. I mean, I can't imagine the, like you're saying, being present. And I I feel like it probably almost gave you perspective of like, if a person was complaining about something in their life that seems somewhat trivial, and then you're reminded like, you know what? I can be present in what I am grateful for and like using the the tactics when you talk with people about uh, putting it towards yourself. But I do always wonder in those sorts of positions, if when you were working there, did that heaviness and trauma carry into you uh, after work hours or were you able to kind of uh, divide the two? I, I at first was able to divide it and I don't, I'm not really sure what changed. I think, I mean, this is such a boring answer, but the management changed. And so it was really like my manager that made it such a really safe, wonderful environment. And when that changed it, like the new person was just kind of like stupid and just like kept making really bad decisions and so it truly wasn't really the work that was hard. It started becoming like the my boss who kept the environment being of the actual yeah. the employers. Yeah, it's that is always the the right? honestly like sometimes the work itself is like fine regardless. But if it the people matter. around you are miserable, it's like who I can't yeah. be around this. Yeah, that's gosh, so interesting. I mean, I I definitely did in a part of my life think like maybe I should go to school to become a therapist because I do enjoy. I'm such like a fan yes. of it and advocate and uh, I don't think that is my path, but maybe in a different in a future life of mine I will be something yeah. like that. Um, but I think it's such an interesting journey that you've had from school to this yeah. job to the ther- to grad school to now doing stand-up comedy it's like yeah in a way it's still you're still doing therapy for people it's just in a different setting what happened in, in therapy school is i kind of just realized that i really wanted like my own kind of transformative experience and and the the program marketed itself as like not only will you become a therapist but you yourself will like transform into like a better person and mm. they really bank on that kind of like marketing um and so through the program i kind of realized that i was going through my own kind of life journey and that i didn't need to pay like this exorbitant amount of money to these like white yogis to like teach me about being asian um, I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm actually Asian, which is interesting. I should be teaching this class. And and then I just, and then through the, the class exercises, it was like me listening to like a lot of rich white people talk about their like rich white problems. And then I kind of started to realize if I were to really go down this path, my like high paying clients would be like people who work in tech and yeah. people who like, and it's just like, oh my God, like the, the, the thought of like, eight hours a day listening to someone talk about like 
pillows or I was just like, I can't do this. And so for me, that's kind of what like led me past that. Um, the career path was just like, wait a second. I don't want to do this actually. Yeah. I am very curious about a day in the life of a therapist and their work. They have to hear so many different types of people. I mean, like, yeah. let's be, let's be honest, like complain or, you know, or feel yeah. really torn about something going on in their life. And there's probably such a wide range. Like, you know, there's like a 21 year old white girl that's just like, and then Stephanie fucking stole my baby shoes and it's like it's yeah. and then versus the other person that's actually going through you know a traumatic divorce or whatever the hell it is and mm-hmm. that therapist has to be like now when stephanie took your shoes how did that make you feel and, and like rolling their eyes in the back of their head well like i would never want to be my therapist because like <laughs> i'm fucking insufferable and it's literally me being like being like yeah and then like i had a general with like universal but like you know nothing's gonna come from that because like generals don't really lead to anything and then like i did the stand-up show and like it's really me just talking about being a comedian for like an hour and then and like and my therapist like being paid like he has to laugh at my jokes like he has yeah. to and so i'm just like making jokes and like i just i truly like i'm a, I'm a monster listen nori i am not <laughs> making this up a week ago i showed my therapist one of my videos i posted to tiktok oh, and no. literally he had to laugh he had to laugh but i choose nori i choose to believe that he actually thought it was funny. And I'm going to tell you what the video is right now because it's a literal six-second video. <laughs> You're it like, I'm going to show it to you right now. You're just, <laughs> you're just showing every single person you interact with. And you know what? I'm gonna, It's only five minutes long. And then Let's I do it. sit through the entire five. No, the video is me going, um, I just met a French dolphin. Yeah, it was crazy. It had a certain je ne sais quoi. That's the entire oh, video. That's very funny. Thank you it's so just much. just like comedian to comedian. Because, you know, we don't, we don't really laugh at jokes as a comedian right. you, kind of, you kind of like process it that's a very good joke thank you truly. so much truly um, I, nori that means a lot because i want to tell you i was i said it to someone in actually a work like a work scenario and they're like that's actually funny and i was like i guess it is and then i and then i and then i made the video and i'm honestly in therapy this is so dis- like so stupid again like f- my poor therapist but a lot yeah. of what i talk about is getting out of my own way like creatively and boo 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 and what i've been really trying to do is allow myself to make the things i want and then if they fail if they're fucking horrible you know what it's going to be okay and time and time will pass. And so that's fucking dolphin joke. I was like, this is probably the dumbest thing I've ever made. And then of course I put it up and some people thought it was funny. And then like, and then that was it. And then I moved on to the next thing. So all this to say our poor therapists have really difficult times with us. I do want to say that out of the thousands of dollars I spent at that school, I want to offer the most interesting thing that I learned, which still sticks with me today is out of the, millions of okay that's a the thousands of studies they've done on outcomes of therapy and what is it that makes a good therapeutic outcome which is a fancy way of saying like what makes a good what creates change in a therapeutic relationship like what Mm -hmm. what is like what's the factor is it that they're both the same race is it that is it this perspective is it freudian is it um cognitive the one, the only factor that they found that can predict an, a good outcome is someone trusting their therapist and really liking them. That's the only, the, the only thing that they could find that predicted a good outcome was trust. And Damn. so if you 
have if you feel like you have a and it's called in therapy it's called a um uh <laughs> fuck it's been a <laughs> fuck oh my god i can't believe i forgot what it's called let's just say it's positive regard is kind of like the 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 positive feelings that you have towards your therapist mm. and what you maybe feel that your therapist has for you positive regard oh. that was the only predictor do you know what that that makes a lot of sense because if you're not fully confident that the therapist you're with is benefiting your life in a way i think if you're feeling like safe and 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 trustworthy of them i think even if it's just a small doubt i think it really can get in the way of the positive change happening in your life and you know i've talked to so many people about because my therapist i had my first therapist i was with for seven years and i just like really really loved her and i really did trust her and i did have a lot of positive change but my my new therapist at first i mean she did retire she's still alive but she's, okay i was like what i was like babe dish i was like what is she blood. like what yeah what if we had a fight yeah like taylor swift bad blood like what's going on i'm gonna write a pop song about the fight i had with my 78 year old jewish woman <laughs> yeah. therapist fran i won't say her last name but what are you amazing. gonna do like dox her um you yeah, know she retired and she told me and i was like smiling and then tears were rolling down my face like i'm so happy for you god um and then i didn't have a therapist for a while and i got this new one and i don't know if i've told the story on this podcast but the long story short is that i was like you know what what it would be cool to have a queer uh therapist like she was an old straight woman who like was very good but i was sometimes afraid to be like uh, talk about any sort of anything that would be like shocking to a jewish grandmother which turns out a lot of things so i wanted to have maybe a gay male therapist and so i started to i did an open call i'm kidding can you imagine I I, 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 you're like mm, not hot enough next <laughs> headshot resume measurements um so <laughs> i ended up literally calling a bunch finally getting two to call me back and schedule a time and so the first one gay guy living in chelsea um i uh, it was during the part of the pandemic when like I was really unemployed, but also like needed to get out of my apartment. So I went to Central Park while Matt was working at home and I sat in Central Park and had the session and I liked him, but I didn't think to myself like, wow, the fact that he's gay is amazing. And wow, this gay guy, it's like, I just like, I don't know. I think he was just fine. Cut to, I meet with another guy on the phone and I instantly like him. And as we're talking, I'm like, and you know what? And like, this is why I really wanted a gay male therapist. And he was like, oh, I'm straight. <gasps> and i was like what um turns out his profile had said like lgbtq what? affiliated which means that he specializes in dealing with lgbtq Stop patients it. <laughs> and so i was like and that's why i'm seeing a fag and he's like pardon um you're so, like and then when i open the hole i put <laughs> That's when I put two finger. You're like you're like very detailed sexual. Yeah, you know, like you know when you're doing poppers in your asshole. Yeah, no, it's like I he he. The thing is, he was like immediately like, but you know, I really have had a lot of experience with boo boo boo. Okay, he sounds gay. He sounds really gay. Nori, I'm not joking. He is the most like softly validating, warm person, and I just do not equate that with a straight man, right? But he he's also. I, I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast, but he did get a haircut and he looked really good today. Ooh, yeah, that's, tough. Ooh, that's tough. Is he gay for pay? Like he's like he's like for the next hour, I'm fucking <laughs> gay. 
Like he's like, you can tell me anything you, you want about your faggot life for one hour. <laughs> and I won't judge the disgusting things you do. Yeah. He's like, for one hour, I'll know who Dua Lipa is. I'll know future nostalgia every single fucking song. Drink ice. He's coffee. only gonna drop Drag Race. Uh, yes, to see that walk. Bitch. He's like, yes, mama. He's like, yes, mama. You're like talking about your trauma. He's like, yes, mama. Go off, mama. Your your father did what? Go off. Drag him, sis. Yes, let's get sickening. Yeah. You know what, Nori? That is like fully a sketches there. And I think yes. when inevitably we're you besties in LA, babe. no, we're doing this together. Okay. It's going to go. I'll be the it's going to. Wait, no. You'll... Sorry. The reason I said that, I'm not a gay man. The reason why I said that is because um, <laughs> all my friends right now, they're like, they're like, babe, I wrote you into something. And every, I'm not kidding, every character is a therapist, which I'm not mad at. I'm Wait, not mad about is... it. But what? Why do you think that's happening? <laughs> Well, I get, well, clearly we talked about my background in it. Oh. I don't know. I think like, I think I give off good, like, I think I would be a really funny therapist. Cause I, cause I'm a little like, I, I'm very warm and friendly, but there's also yeah. like kind of like a, a viciousness. And I feel like that's a really interesting character. Yeah, I do. I do love that. And I envision it for you. And like when you're winning your Emmy next year, it maybe yes. it's for that, that therapist character. Yes. Um, I do that. This is a good segue though, because I, I want to tell you one of the things I love about your comedy so much is the, it's like not only smart, but there's a self deprecation that I find is like Thank so, you. so good. And one of my biggest pet peeves in life is people who can't, who, people who take themselves too seriously. And Ugh. I think that's like, I immediately feel like a, a kindredness with you because of that, like, we know what our value is, what we have to offer, but we're also okay with making fun of ourselves. And, you know, one of your jokes saying that you are trans fat and it's like you, and that's, which is one of the, what do you say? It's like one of the most, the most dangerous kind. Um, <laughs> I think it is so funny, <laughs> but like making fun of ourselves is such an important part of, of, of being able to deal because I had, I tell a story that my friends make fun of me for because I've been telling it for like 10 years. And it's basically, I say it because it's the only way I can laugh at it because it was the meanest thing that was ever said to me. Oh no. <laughs> and when I say the meanest thing, like I'm sure there's been meaner things said, but in the moment it felt so gutting. And this is what happened. I'm with my boyfriend. I'm scared. We've been together. It's really, it's uh, unfortunately, it, I'm leading up to make it sound like it's like a, a homophobic slur, but it's not. Okay. Um, but honestly, Nori, you might think it's even worse than that because I'm with Context's boyfriend of, let's say, a year, a year and a half, and I'm meeting his Congrats. sister. Thank you. Well, so this was, we're now married, but this was like the first part in. And so I'm meeting his sister for the first time. And we're out to dinner at a Mexican restaurant having margaritas. There is not only the sister, but I think a friend of the sister and then my boyfriend's roommate. A panel. <laughs> There's a panel. <clears throat> it's like a panel of people. A panel of people. And so I'm having margaritas. And when I have a margarita, I get a little silly. Sue me. Yeah. So I'm having my drinks. I'm having my banter. I'm doing my moments. And... I thought I was killing Nori. I'm like, I thought I was, you know, things were landing. And the <laughs> next thing I know, this friend 
who ended up becoming my roommate, who I do love if she's listening, I do love, but it's such a good story that I have to tell it, is that as like the laughter subsides, I'm building up to make it sound like I'm so, as people are screaming with laughter, finally they catch their breaths. She then turns to me and then says in front of the entire table, you know what, Eric? You're not as funny as you think you are. What? <laughs> I looked what? around the room the the it, the music started to play it was a really slow sad underscore i stood up from the chair i gripped the walls i tripped up. no i was just like so like i was like and i said to her in the moment i was like oh i think that's the meanest thing anyone's ever anyone said to me because like i'm in the moment of like meeting this my my boyfriend's sister i'm also like drunk off of a margarita thinking i'm like killing and having the best time of my life and then for the rest of the night i was so mopey and then my boyfriend Mm -hmm. matt and i got into a fight that night because i was then moping and he didn't know why i was moping and all this to say oh my god it doesn't really relate to your stand-up, but it is a moment of just like, if I can't make fun of myself, because you know what? Sometimes I probably am not as funny as I think I am, but if we don't think we're funny, then who the fuck will? I agree. I'm a, I'm a comedian historian, and basically, I think there is this movement of like hot comedy, which is important and valid. I'm not invalidating mm. it. I'm not saying it. there's room for all kinds of people. Um well, not not all people. Most people. I'll let the the viewers decide who I'm talking about. And but um, there there was like this hot comedy movement, and then I think like the pendulum kind of shifted like in this really far direction where like it wasn't cool to be self deprecating, and it was seen kind of like as like you didn't like yourself or something. Mm. And like I feel that a lot in queer spaces sometimes, where like if I perform for like. The like social justice conference like 2022 i'll like do a self-deprecating joke and everyone's like but then if i'm like i'm a i'm a proud powerful trans woman everyone's like (laughs) and so it's just like it's and that's frustrating to me as a comedian because that's not my perspective like it it's not that interesting to me like i could stand on stage all day and talk about how powerful i am which i am but that's not there's nothing interesting or funny about that. And so I do think that like shame is a really important part of comedy. Maybe not not all comedy, but I do I would argue that comedy that doesn't have any shame in it, it's it's not very interesting. Like it's not very interesting. And I think a lot of TikTok like comedians like not Eric, I'm not talking I'm you're like, be careful. You're like, be careful. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, no, 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 no. I just mean like, I, I'm on TikTok a lot and I like love watching and consuming TikTok. And comedians who are just like in TikTok like um, exclusively, a lot of their content has no shame and it's just so cringy to me because I'm just yes. like, do you not, do you have no shame? Like you have no shame. And, and I just don't relate to it because I have so much shame that I don't relate and I don't find it interesting. I am really, yeah, I, it's so, it's so interesting to me because I have noticed that shift in recent years of the, I'm a fucking icon and you all fucking love it. And that has been what has been a little more in vogue. And I, uh, I'm similar in that. I find it more interesting of the shame and the trauma and like and like letting that affect your comedy, your perspective. And, and, you know, it's, it's so funny because 
the TikTok machine is such a crazy thing. And I'm actually glad you said that because if I had been a person that was like only, you know, posting those things, I would have been devastated. But so much of my stuff is just like, I'm a fucking anxious ass Jew that is can be miserable because of my own insane thoughts and wiring in my brain. Um, but that's be- and th- because those, those are the things. And again, maybe it's a coping mechanism of how I deal with those that shame and that darkness. But I do agree that it's so much more interesting to to view things in that way. And I'm curious to see where it's going to go with what is more in. I did want to say, too, that there's some people who are doing really interesting stuff with, like, hot people comedy and, like, and the, like, expectations oh, yeah. of that. Like, my friend um, Dana Donnelly, who, like, her handle, I think, is, like, hottest Dana. So, it's, like, but it's very, it's. The what she's doing is so interesting to me because she's like taking that trope or that theme and really like turning it it on its head because she she knows that that's what people's expecting of her and she kind of like uses those expectations in her comedy Mm -hmm. and so it's just i i do just want to say that i do think that like there's just all sorts of comedy that are all valid and that are yes all very interesting to me um it's just like from my own perspective I just had a really hard, like I grew up in Kentucky and so it was like really difficult. And mm-hmm. a lot of my comedy comes from really difficult places of like power dynamics. And like a lot of my comedy is um, the punchline. It's very like punch up. Like I, I like yeah. to make fun of people who in society have like a place of power. And so like punch up comedy is really important to me um, mm-hmm. because I think it makes for better comedy and I think that it is just funnier. And even recently too, I would say like post pandemic I've been doing, my comedy has also been changing. I I would say like, I'm getting more comfortable just being on stage and not even having these clear, like set jokes that are like worked through. I'm having, I'm having a lot more comfort with just using my own presence on stage as part of the comedy like i just did i just did dana donnelly's um show and it was this like really amazing audience and i took my time and there were moments where i literally stood there and just like (laughs) i don't know like just did things that were not like practiced or and it's been a it's i'm in a more freer place of comedy that i feel really proud of and really excited about because i've i've done the whole like oh my jokes have to be like so ready and set up and punchline and practice and this one goes after this one and i've done that and now i feel like a freedom in not being scared of discomfort and the audience feeling uncomfortable and using that to to i don't know to like make them laugh like yeah you have you want them to be uncomfortable you do. And people really pick up on when you're being genuine in the moment. And they feel, I think, then after the uncomfortability, it's like they're then feeling special that it's only happening for them in that space at that time. Um, and I cannot wait to see you live. I really it's, it's, <laughs> cannot wait. But I, I am interested in the in growing up in Kentucky. I grew mm. up in Missouri. Not terribly different, but yes, different. Um, but I'm curious, like, growing up in Kentucky, like, when did you first notice, like, queer things around you? Because as growing up as, you know, not really being... I was very a part of, like, 
the very mainstream, very just like you do what you do. When did you notice it in the world and in you? And what was that like in and when, what part of Kentucky also? I grew up in a place called Christian County. Can you believe? Oh my God, that's Isn't too that good. so funny? It's so Christian County. <laughs> yeah, it's called Christian County. And like Bell Hooks, who's this like black feminist author, is from the same place, which it's so funny that it's just like these are this like. <laughs> ultra conservative kentucky farm town like produces these like really like you know just like i don't even know what words to use but yeah <laughs> no it it was there were no out queer people at all so there was zero people in my community who identified as queer there what's interesting to me is that there were people that everyone knew were queer but it just wasn't discussed or talked about ever not you don't you didn't talk about it like there was one woman at my church who was the daughter of these pretty prominent people in my church and she clearly was gay and she clearly even had a roommate that clearly they were gay together but it was not discussed talked about mentioned and um that was the vibe it was kind of like yes we know that these people exist but it's so wrong that I remember one Sunday at church, this guy gave testimony and he said, um, he said, I want you all to pray for me because I have one brother who's in prison for killing someone. And everybody was sad about that. And then he went, and then I have another brother who's a teacher and he's gay. And people were more upset by the second thing then the oh first thing, and that was such a clear message to me that, that being gay or queer was so bad and so wrong that you could not even talk about it. And so that was, that's and when how you I was take raised. that in. It's like, of course, it's going to not make you feel excited, safe, able to show your truth in any way. That's you have to going bury into it. That. You have to bury it so deep. To, in a place that's so far away from yourself and there's a lot of pain and consequences to doing that like it's like um i've been in therapy since i was 20 years old it's been you know i'm so grateful for therapy and grateful for the supporters i've had on the journey of just like of being comfortable with who i am as a person and the those those types of environments have such severe consequences for the people that are the victims of those environments. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel really lucky that like I was able to make it in life and not hurt myself. And like, you know, a lot of kids kill themselves over like, you know, I'm obviously I'm preaching to the choir here. You know, you're, I'm sure you're very aware of this as someone in the gay community. It's just like, it's really hard stuff. Yeah. And I've often thought, like, what would it be like to start to talk about Kentucky, like, on stage or, like, and I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I'm really Mm -hmm. there to where it doesn't feel, like, funny enough, but it will. I think eventually I will want to make some jokes and talk about it, but it it just really is, like, it it, it's sad to me that there are still, like, kids out there who are, like, going through that. It's really yeah, and also, and to think about, you know, other people that are listening to those types of things in church or in school or wherever. And then, yeah. you know, my, I, I, I don't want to say that 
everything is going to be okay because of more representation. But my dream and my hope is that because it's there is becoming more representation. Because I got to tell you, like it, I can't imagine growing up in a time where there wasn't this much representation because it is so tough. But it, yeah. You know, as they say that, like, Gen Z is, like, the most queer generation and boo-boo and, like, a crazy percentage yeah. is identical. But it's, like, I just, my dream is that I would like to have children one day. And when I do, I really hope that even if, say, I move to Georgia, where, my, where Matt's family lives, mm. that if my child is queer in any way in Georgia... It's way better when my child is alive versus when we were growing up. I do, I do have faith that it is different. And there's been so much, so much progress that's been so rapid since we were younger that it's like it blows my mind as an adult. Like when I see like shows like Pose or like, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, wow, like we really are out here just like in these mainstream spaces, I do, I mean, this is a pretty nuanced critique, but I do wish there's more like diversity in trans representation. I do think that Hollywood really does stick to this young, thin, Mm -hmm. um, white or white adjacent kind of, uh, trans characters. And, you know, I'm fat. I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't look like a model. Like I, I kind of like want, it, it is very important to me just in terms of representation to like get in there because it's like, mm-hmm. I want people to understand that like trans people, like the, the, I audition a lot and like all the trans characters I get are kind of like Megan Fox type, like sex bomb. And I'm just like, what? Like, I'm not like, why is it, why is your only, like your only perspective of like including a trans character, like, a supermodel. Well, like, it's like we're okay if they're trans as long as they're hot. They're like, fucking hot. <laughs> as long as they're a Victoria's Secret fucking angel bitch. It's like, it's just so annoying because, like, you know, like I, I just would love there to be a, a bigger opening in terms of like what trans people can look like and and be like. You know what? It's 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 reminding me of. I think that when we were growing up, I think that it was so monumental that Will and Grace was a thing that there was like, oh my gosh, a gay guy, and then he has a gay friend who's really flamboyant, and it was like, wow, <laughs> what a shock. And I think that now, since it's been what I don't know, thirty years since that show, I think now it's becoming that there's more trans representation, but it's more in the Will and Grace of you're only allowed to. Be be gorgeous and like um in a trope that people are used to hearing about and then it's it's that's when it then becomes with more rep because i remember like one of my favorite shows is not only is it like only had a few seasons but also not a ton of people love it happy endings is a sitcom that i was just like so obsessed with i need to watch it i i literally was almost watching it and then i lost i like didn't renew my subscription to hulu or something it's on it just got on netflix and okay. it um casey wilson who is a dream guest yes. i'm gonna get on this podcast she it's one of her i mean it's honestly like she is incredible in it and but there is a reason i bring it up is because there's a gay character who it's like so subversive because he's really masculine and it's like and like and like yes do i roll oh, my eyes God. at that yes and when i watch it i'm like Oy, but there's enough <laughs> 
strong women around him that i i love so much like i can forgive mm. kind of the like yeah but he's really like it's i'm okay with it because it's so smart and it is of its time i mean it's if it was written now it would be definitely updated and different than that but that being yeah. said it's i i think that was like the next step what if the gay guy wasn't a complete screaming fag it's like it, it it yeah and now it's getting even past that and so that's what i'm hoping for you know further representation yeah I think I, I feel like trans stuff is where maybe like gay stuff was like 20 years ago, maybe yeah. possibly and yeah. or, or maybe even longer. I'm not sure. I don't I, I don't stand behind anything I just said, but I, I do think that like, yeah, trans stuff is clearly behind. And I, you know, my sweet spot is I want to play like I see I personally see myself as kind of like a trans Melissa McCar- McCarthy of just like. Absolutely. very like like mean like mean characters and like very like a lot of like physical comedy and like like that's how i see myself and and in those roles so i read for those roles as well but it's hard it, it, it's one of those things where it's like the casting directors have to take a, a leap of like making this character now trans which is always an issue but it's funny because then those roles are like um like sad woman, fifties, like disgusting, 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 fat, disgusting, terrible, disgusting, no friends lady. And it's like, what is like, what is happening? Like you I, have two you know, options, Nori, two options. You're and Megan no Fox other. or you're yeah. someone who doesn't want to be alive. It's 55. I mean, <laughs> it's Megan Fox or 55. Unbelievable. And I love it. I mean, listen, I really cannot wait for Nori to have a Melissa McCarthy role that is just like so fucking funny and brutal and vicious in the best delicious <laughs> way. Um, actually, speaking of, I want to ask a famous podcast question, which is okay. if the world is ending and you can only save one character, which actress, it is, which it is, <laughs> unfortunately, um, spoiler alert, it is when you say character actress common question honestly any answer you give me will be correct the uh, only thing it has to be is a strong woman that is it truly that's it okay i'm gonna stick to my answer i don't know if it's right but i'm sorry but i just watched the first episode of the white lotus and (gasps) jennifer coolidge is the moment she yes yes talk about a powerhouse of a actor actress like just truly in her craft nori i have to tell you that no one had said that until a recent episode and because (gasps) i'm getting to the point of like being 55 and not remembering things i forget Mm. exactly who said it or who i discussed it with Mm. was it joel kimbo i don't remember uh Mm. or maybe uh, whatever what it was was basically us talking about the coolidge renaissance that's happening which is like she's showing off these colors that it's like so incredible to uh, witness i watched for the first time promising young woman and yes jennifer coolidge plays like a very very different character that's like the mom that's like much more kind of sad and she and i haven't watched is it called the white lotus the white lotus by mike white and so it um, just came out right just came out and she is it's like a fine wine where like her craft has been practiced so much and it's so heightened that it's like um it there are moments where i was screaming because it was just so it touched such a 
intense place like her performance like yes the way that she she plays because under underneath her comedy is that sadness which drives it's like this sad person Mm. who who's like her way of dealing with life is like being in somewhat of a delusional state i'm fabulous yes yes and it's like it's it's that there's something so fascinating and incredible about that Yes. And um she plays that her character in the White Lotus is this like um broken woman who is a little off and everyone around her is trying to figure out their own boundaries and relationship to that. Mm. And that to me is fascinating. Oh, I cannot wait to watch this. That is such a good pitch. I really cannot wait. Yeah. Well, listen, I I could truly talk to you till the end of time, but I <laughs> since we are getting towards the end of this episode, I also would like to ask a very important question, which is, what is your favorite Whoopi Goldberg film? Okay, I so another answer. So it's been a minute since I've watched this movie, so please forgive me, but I think I have to say Sister Act. Nori. That is correct. Right? That's <laughs> I think the right answer. Ever since I started doing this, that's been every single person's answer. And I think okay. that that is going to have to be the case because there is no other option. Yes, she has amazing films and anything she does is good, but it is canon. It is everything. And yeah. that's and that's where I first felt safe <laughs> was watching Sister Act 2 with Whoopi Goldberg. Absolutely. Talk about talking about like what was queer in Kentucky, Sister Act. That's, that's oh. what was queer in Kentucky. Yeah, that's a very shared experience. Very, I <laughs> did not know a queer person, but I did know Whoopi Goldberg as Dolores St. Cartier. Is she? She has to be gay. There's no other. She's gay, <laughs> right? You know what? I she she's she gay. has she has publicly dated men, but um, I would. But the thing is, is that if she were gay, it would be so shocking to me if Whoopi did not feel okay to be out and proud. That's your. I think we need to explore this on a different podcast. Wait, should we start a podcast called? (laughs) And then we get canceled, I guess. Like, I don't know if that's okay. I don't know. I mean, it's, I can't imagine like the journalism that would go behind trying to find out if Whoopi Goldberg is gay, other than just completely violating her privacy. Absolutely. Which I'm down for. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day. Um, well, listen, Nori Reed, I am so thankful you're on That's a Gay podcast. I'm going to plug all of your social media. Is there anything else you want to plug before we say goodbye? Well, I do. I mean, this is actually, I just got suspended from Twitter, which is iconic. I um, saw I'm, that. What happened? Oh, my God. Are they, so the, I, re, I used, I used to repost TikToks like, at like months and months and months ago. And the music companies have bots that flag music now, which mm-hmm. I, I did not know any of this before this all just happened to me. And I like did research, but, um, yeah, that I, they, they suspended my account for it. Fucking music violation. It's wild. It's truly that the, the, the punishment does not fit the crime. And no. it, so I have a new account. Um, it's real Nori Reed. So please follow me there because I'm back to zero, baby. Real Nori, but also I think the handle is so good because that's yeah. you know you've made it when you have to put real in front of your name. Real Nori Reed, baby. Yeah. Stop, everyone! Stop making fake Nori Reed accounts. I swear to G D. Um, <laughs> well, the real Nori Reed on that's a gas podcast. I yes. cannot wait to see you in La La Land. I cannot wait to cast you as a therapist. I cannot wait to start <laughs> a Whoopi Goldberg podcast, and I can't wait to see you again. I'll see you in LA, babe. <laughs> 
Uh, like I said, Nori Reed is the moment. So grateful she came on That's a Gay Ass Podcast. Make sure you follow her on Instagram at Nori Reed and Twitter at Real Nori Reed. And follow me at Eric Wills. I just love her so much. And of course, you got to stay tuned for the Patreon coming out in a couple weeks and another amazing guest coming next week. I would love if you gave a five-star review. It really helps more people get the podcast on their radar. And tell your friends, uh, subscribe, follow. God, I love you so much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.